everyone, and welcome to the Church Changer Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. My name is Lauren Berkerich, and I'll be one of your hosts today. And I'm joined by my co-host and my pastor, Tim Lucas. Hey, Tim. Welcome, everybody. Excited to be back with you. Hey, if you are a church leader, a pastor, a ministry leader looking for practical advice on how to navigate through change, all kinds of change, cultural change, technological change, you have landed in the right place. And today we have a topic that is near and dear to both Tim and I. We are going to be talking about establishing a preaching calendar at your church. The truth is, many of you listening today and working in ministry, we live Sunday to Sunday, right? Or sermon series to sermon series, always hustling to figure out what you're going to talk about next. But today we're going to share how to create a roadmap for your entire year Here is the good news. It is never too late to get started. So what we talk about today could actually help you get ready for your fall run this year when you're going to be busy recalling people to church. Okay, Tim, honest moment here because I can actually remember the days at Liquid when we were racing series to series. What difference has the investment in planning made for you as a lead pastor and a speaker? Oh, it's a tectonic change. I mean, when we first planted the church, which was 15 years ago, okay, we just celebrated our 15th birthday as a church. But, you know, when you're a church planner, you are moving literally Sunday to Sunday. And I know a lot of my friends, I have great empathy for them. You know, some of them are like, hey, it's Monday morning. What's the spirit talking to me about for this coming Sunday? And then, of course, they procrastinate and think, well, I'll, you know, I'll really have time on Wednesday. And then, of course, you know, someone goes to the hospital, they have to visit. And then, okay, Thursday, Thursday, I'm really going to dial in. And then it's like, what's Craig Rochelle speaking on last week? That, maybe that'll be helpful. And then there's even guys and gals who will do a Saturday night special. <laughs> the worst kind of sermon writing where you're writing under a deadline and you're saying, basically, it's a Hail Mary. Jesus, I pray you give me something fresh uh, for Sunday. And you know what? Sometimes the Spirit does speak uh, that way. I don't want to miss the, the, you know, the audible you can call to interrupt your preaching calendar. But what I have found is that most of the time, the Holy Spirit shows up in planning. When you think carefully about a steady diet, combination of Old Testament, New Testament, epistles, evangelistic preaching, deep discipleship, when you think about that for a 12-month calendar, Lauren, it changes everything. You move your church from immaturity, like, oh, what's coming this Sunday, to actually a balanced, steady dialect of biblical content that you can deliver in a much more creative and dynamic way. So to answer your question, we've gone up in creativity. We've gone up in the dynamics of even preaching and being able to do some more, uh, have panels of speakers, et cetera. And um, we've lowered the stress level on staff. I'd be I'd be curious for you to talk about that, Lauren, because I I used to be a chaos maker. You know, a lot of times the preacher, you know, what they're thinking of for Sunday, everything needs to change. I'm curious to hear what you think the impact has been on our organization at large. I am with you. It's absolutely tremendous. I do. I want to take this opportunity to make an appeal to the teaching pastors out there. I guarantee you that last minute planning is negatively impacting your staff. Creating these patterns, right, where we're all rushing, everything is always urgent because of poor planning, it's really exhausting. When you plan strategically and with excellence, it actually honors your staff. You not only give them breathing room by slowing down the pace of work, but Tim, as you were talking about, you give them room to dream and to be creative. They can contribute more effectively. And I say this from experience, right, because our commitment to planning has been a game changer for our church 
And I truly believe this is going to increase the health of your staff culture, and it's going to enable you to reach more people more effectively for Christ. When people hear planning out your preaching for 12 months, like you know what you're preaching on in December, and it's only February or March or April, whatever— um, not only does it reduce the stress level, my pushback was always, oh man, where's the spontaneity? You know, we have found the opposite. When stress levels go down, creativity goes up. Yes. I used to have a million ideas. You know, people always say, you know, you're such a creative preacher. You use different illustrations and props. How do you come up with those? And the answer is because we plan six months in advance. Back in the day, again, when you're preaching Sunday to Sunday, it'd be Saturday afternoon and I'm out raking leaves and I'm like, oh, you know what? I have a great idea for an illustration tomorrow. And I'd call, uh, you know, someone on staff and say, we need 10,000 wasabi peas uh, delivered <laughs> to our campuses and handed out to every person. And now you're ruining everybody's Sabbath. You're disrespecting your staff. Even though it's a great idea, you've caused so much chaos. Well, when you back that truck up, man, the Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way. So I hope you'll stick with us today because our promise to you in this episode is we're going to provide you with a month-by-month roadmap for you to create your own custom preaching calendar that will cooperate with people's rhythms and grow your church. You will see a difference when you implement these best practices at your church, I guarantee. So let's go ahead and dive in. Okay, when we are talking about planning in advance for an entire year, I know it can sound overwhelming. So we're actually going to look at the year broken into three semesters. You have what we call the Easter run. That's your first semester. It's January through Easter. Then you have your summer run, which is post-Easter through August. And finally, you have your fall recall season. It starts in September. So today, if you can leave here equipped to map out your next semester, that would be a huge win. So essentially what you're saying, Lauren, is we look at it as trimesters, right? Really three runs of the calendar. There's January through Resurrection Weekend. We all know it you culminates it. In, in Easter. But then the summer run, we treat very differently because you don't have people for as long as a, as a time. You might have their attention through Easter, but then it starts fragmenting in July and August. But then September, the big recall begins, and that's September through Christmas run. So if you're taking notes, there's really a trimester system, January through Easter, the summer run, and then September all the way through Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, as we think about our preaching calendar, guys, you want to be strategic. So you're thinking about those seasons, thinking about those rhythms. You want to cooperate with trends in the American culture. But Tim, what does that actually look like? All right. Here's the big idea. You want to cooperate and not compete with the calendar. That means you got to understand that there are rhythms already built into the calendar, especially like in North America. There are seasonal trends. So you've got to take into consideration holidays. Let's put it this way. You don't want to be casting vision on Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> right. right, when everyone's at the beach. Uh, you got to think about vacation patterns. Um, August is not the time to preach verse by verse through Revelation, <laughs> okay? The start of the school year. When you want people to sign up for groups, don't do it the weekend after Labor Day. Everybody's freaking out about returning to school and to work. They're just trying to get backpacks and pencils. So you've got to think very strategically and understand people's needs, their habits, and their behaviors, which are also seasonal. So this is crucial for meeting people where they're at. So right now, guys, we're actually going to do, do this in chronological order. We're going to go month by month. 
We're going to make this super clear for our listeners, but I want you to know now that our leader guide for this episode will be super helpful. Not only will we recap this information, we're going to provide bonus content for you. We're going to have links to example sermon series for every single thing we talk about. So you can get your leader guide at churchchanger.com slash podcast. You can download that and then share it with your entire staff. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in with January. Tim, how should we approach the new year? So I think everybody understands the new year is a season where people are talking about new disciplines, new rhythms. It's why everyone says, I'm going back to the gym. I'm going to drop 15 pounds. I'm going to stop, you know, drinking a beer or whatever it is. But the felt need in the season is a fresh start. So what we have found is when we preach series on things like simplicity, spiritual disciplines, fasting, for instance, right? Fasting is not a a, a spiritual diet, but it's a way of denying our flesh. So everyone's coming back after crazy New Year's, right? We need to actually have communion and repent from everything that went on (laughs) in New Year's. That's right. But introducing them to fasting cooperates with people's innate feel that, man, I got to get disciplined, okay? Budgeting is another thing. People have overspent typically on Christmas. January is a great time to talk about stewardship, about God's way of handling money, and also time management. I often will preach about the Sabbath, developing Sabbath rhythms, and people are hungry to hear that because they feel the pressure of, okay, here we go, January, everyone, you know, we had a little week off, but now let's, you know, drop our shoulder and run through a wall. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's think carefully. So your series in January, it needs to be attractional. And this is a great recall season for your church. You may see a lot of new people walk through the doors, and you want to make sure you're ready to welcome them with an engaging series. I'll give you one example. We did a series called Simplify, and it's called, uh, you know, I'll read you a little blurb. We write like a little blurb for each. It's like an Amazon, you know, uh, book blurb. Does your life feel complex and cluttered? It's time to simplify your schedule and regain control over your inner world. So think about people in January. They have the hangover from Christmas and New Year's. They're feeling that. In this series, we'll learn to stop living at a frenetic pace. We'll start the New Year anchored in the priorities that matter most. And then we list some of them. Your schedule, it's about time management. Your work, it's about Sabbath. Finances, relationships, and soul. So we'll talk about fasting, Bible reading this January. Stop feeling overwhelmed to begin twenty, uh, you know, twenty twenty two. Energize. Join us at Liquid Church for Simplify. So we're cooperating again. We're p- the speed of people's souls and where they're at. That's awesome. And you know, Tim, you made this point about new guests because the January season is also a recall season. New people may walk through the doors because one of their quote unquote resolutions may be to go to church, to learn more about Jesus. But one of the mistakes we see churches make is that they phone it in for that first week back in the new year. It's like this throwaway week for them because they're exhausted, actually, coming off of a crazy December. But if you're getting new people in the door who decided the New Year is a good time to learn more about Jesus, that's a big miss. So I want to encourage you that the planning ahead actually helps you to put your best foot forward right out of the gate in January. All right, let's jump into February. And here are the two universal truths about February. Everyone knows Valentine's Day is on the 14th. But what most people don't know, it's the month with the highest suicide rate. Did you know that in North America? It's because people feel lonely and isolated. Here in the Northeast, right, everything is kind of winter, it's snowy, it's gray, et cetera. People's depression, their loneliness goes up. Then it's heightened by the anxiety that February 14th brings. So that means we typically do a series on relationships. It may be a series that includes singleness. We speak to our single friends. 
uh, sex. We talk about marriage, conflict, dating, relationships, highly attractional. Again, there's a reason why in North America, everyone starts, you know, okay, January disciplines, but then February, we're thinking about relationships. People are, you know, starting to see the Valentine's Day stuff, what's happening. And let me offer some advice now when it comes to crafting a relationship series. Don't just do it on marriage, okay? We've actually done a relationship series in the month of February for the last four years running, and they are incredibly well attended. The key is you can't just speak to one audience, married couples. That's what I did early in the church. It was like, you know, you know, top five, you know, best marriage tips ever kind of thing. But the reality is now the majority of the American public are single for the first time ever. Did you know that? Generationally, big shift. Yeah, that is a huge difference. So the key is consider that your congregation has people who are single, who are divorced, or what we often call single again, mm-hmm. widowed. And there's a lot of complexity to romantic relationships, right? Everything from Tinder and TikTok. But the key is not all relationship sermons need to focus on romance. So I'll give you an example. Um, we've done two different series and that were extremely popular. One we called our LSD series. It stood for Love, Sex, and Dating. And uh, I'll read the little blurb to you. It says, from attraction and dating to marriage and sex, the Bible contains eye-opening advice on building relationships that buck the breakup stats. Whether single, dating, or married, prepare to learn, laugh, and be challenged by this engaging study of the Song of Solomon. Now, this is not just topical preaching. We went verse by verse through ancient Old Testament Hebrew wisdom literature, okay? So this isn't about just trying to be clever or like water things down. We are going through like Hebrew poetry verse by verse. That was incredibly popular because we telegraphed to people that there's something for you. Whether you're single, you're single again, or you're married, it's going to be for you. But the other thing that uh, all relationship sermons, they can't just be about that, you know, male-female dynamic. Right. We did a series called Relationship Rehab, and you 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 pointed this out to me, uh, Lauren. You're like, listen, people need help with their relationships with their parents, <laughs> with their in-laws. They need help. Parents need help with their kids, their relationship with their kids. Now I got teenagers. I'm like, amen. <laughs> um, relationships with coworkers. Have you noticed things have gotten very crunchy during the pandemic? There's all this friction, friends. How do you like relate to people who have different politics and you know aggressive, polarizing views with you? So we will always emphasize relationships, not just romantic, could be platonic, could be familial in the month of February. Yeah, and something interesting, we talk a lot at Liquid Church about big days, right? Which classics are Easter and Christmas and Mother's Day. But with these relationship series, we have fabricated big day type of attendance because people are so engaged with that, that we have gotten some of our highest numbers of the year. And so just want to encourage you that this is really something that people, it just speaks to them, right? Everybody can relate in some way, shape, or form and needs help in some sort of relationship. And so they will show up for relationships. And here's a key, right? When you're getting to the end of your January series, I would encourage you, communicators, senior pastors, whoever is doing speaking from the stage, in your last sermon in January, you should be selling the February series about, hey, before I dive in, I want to tell you what's about to start next week. For four weeks, we're diving deep into relationships. Do you, have you had a recent breakup or you have friction in your marriage? Do you need help with your kids? Next week, we're going to be with very practical teaching. So the job of every series, it's like to hand the baton in the last week to the consecutive month. So now we've finished February. Where do we go from here, Lauren? Yeah, so we're pushing ahead into March. And we know that March, right, it falls within in this 40-day season of Lent. 
which is the perfect time to do a 40-day discipleship series with your church. This is your biggest block of the season where you know you have people's attention for consecutive weekends. What we have found is that March leading up to Easter, that run is typically eight weeks, obviously, multiply it. It's in that 40-day season of Lent where we are in the Northeast, right? A lot of people are coming out of the Catholic tradition. They're familiar with Lent. All they know is they give up chocolate and it's annoying, you know? (laughs) But we say, no, 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 hey, 40 days actually Jesus spent in the desert, right? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna discipline ourselves and we're gonna go deep into discipleship. So again, you don't wanna do this in the middle of the summer, but you've got their attention. So what you wanna do is you wanna dedicate small group studies that help your people dive deeper systematically with the Bible cultivate spiritual disciplines. So for instance, we will actually align all the small groups in our church, okay? All for 40 days, we're all studying the same thing. Now we have free market small groups. They can choose other series during the year. They can do a book study or whatever they wanna do. But this 40 day period, everybody aligns and it brings such momentum to the congregation. Um, We're actually just coming out of our 40 day discipleship series. It was a series called Wind and Fire that was designed to help our congregation not just learn about the Holy Spirit, but experience the Holy Spirit. So understand, we had all our Sunday sermons, all our small groups meeting during the week, in person, on Zoom. We had them all aligned, and we even hosted a special Holy Spirit worship night to kind of culminate the series, and it was incredible. It was like we ripped the roof off, man, with praise, praying for people, talking about gifts of the Spirit. All of this was designed to help our people dive deeper into the Bible for 40 days. So let me just tell you, that 40-day Lent season, man, don't overlook it. There is still something to the liturgical calendar. I really believe that. Even if you have a modern, you know, attractional church, when you invest in taking your church deeper, you will reap the rewards of watching the Holy Spirit do some incredible work. Yeah, it really is. And guys, following a season of discipleship like that, we always hold a baptism Sunday because there is spiritual fruit to be harvested. That means we often end up celebrating baptisms back-to-back with Easter. Otherwise, right, many of us refer to this as the Super Bowl of the Christian calendar. It is your biggest day of the year, not just because of what it represents, but because of the number of new guests that will walk through your doors. Some years, our church has literally doubled in size on Easter Sunday, and so we really work to pull out all the stops to introduce guests to Jesus in a winsome way. Uh, Tim, what have you found to be some of our winning strategies for Easter's? Well, you know, what's interesting, you mentioned, Lauren, baptisms. We just had baptism Sunday on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. Why is that? I've talked to some pastors say, oh man, you know, I give a salvation message on Easter. We have people coming into the kingdom and then I do baptism right after that. Total mistake. (laughs) You actually want to You want to harvest the fruit after you have been plowing the field for a while. Right. So when we do an eight-week series on the Holy Spirit, we're going through the book of Acts. People are seeing people repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized. Everyone's getting baptized. And we're going deep. People are saturating themselves in Scripture for eight weeks. Suddenly, when you say, by the way, in three weeks from now, we are baptizing people, our spring baptism, new life in Christ, go public with your faith in Jesus. People are so much more likely to be willing to say yes to that because the Spirit's been speaking to them through their small group, through their Bible study. It's not a one-time Sunday-centric event. So we've made the mistake in the past of putting baptisms right after Easter. And guess what? Those new guests who come on Easter, you know what you call the Sunday after Easter? It's called Bomb Sunday. (laughs) 
Yes. No matter what you do, a lot of those gifts, they ain't coming back. Even the people who maybe, you know, were moved, maybe they prayed the salvation prayer, raised their hand, or you had them come forward, whatever it is you do with, with salvations, they're not ready the next Sunday to go, let me get in bathing suit in this church I just met and I'm going to be in a hot tub. It's too big of an ask. So we put that before uh, Easter. We just, I just encourage you, we just baptized 148 people last Sunday. It was amazing. Yeah. It was unbelievable. There's a spirit of celebration, but notice how we're cooperating with the calendar. We're taking people deeper for a longer time, and then we're harvesting the fruit. So Easter is really, watch this. It's imagine a ticker tape. It's the finish line of the first trimester, mm-hmm. but it's the starting line of really what we're going to move into the summer season. So Easter, um, here's my big practice on Easter, and we have just tried just about everything right on Easter, advertising on the radio, clever sermon ideas, all that. The bottom line is the number one thing people want to hear most about on Easter is Easter. <laughs> right? We've advertised stuff like, you know, we're going to start a sermon series. What if we end a sermon series? People don't care. They're coming because it's a resurrection weekend. They want to hear hope. They want to hear about new life in Christ. And what we have found is this is the weekend that most people are willing to invite new guests. So that, you know, brother-in-law who's an atheist or that uncle who occasionally comes, you know, celebrates Easter will come on that Sunday. So we try to have Easter as a standalone Sunday where we acknowledge there's a lot of new guests in the house. Uh, Here in New Jersey, again, we're in the Northeast, and we have a lot of people who what we call CEOs. They are not chief executive officers. They come to church twice a year, Christmas, Easter only. (laughs) All they think about it with Jesus is like, there's Easter eggs and there's Christmas trees, right? We try to acknowledge, we see you, and that's okay. We're not going to shame you for that. But what we do is we tee up then an attractional series following Easter. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, what can get tricky on the calendar after Easter is that Easter and Mother's Day are typically close together, right? Well, you want to keep people engaged following Easter, and you want Easter to be amazing, but you want to make sure that you don't forget about the mom. So you threw out all your planning right into the Easter season, then you go, right. uh-oh, it's Mother's Day. Uh, so at Liquid, we actually have this infamous fail. Oh, no. You're going to tell them about this. Uh, well, I have to share it with people <laughs> because essentially when I share this, you're going to feel so much better about yourself. Yes. This, this, is, this is a calendar <laughs> fail. Here's what happens when you don't plan. Right. So this is going back to 2015. But do you want to know what we talked about for Mother's Day, guys? Oh, my gosh. We talked about ISIS. <laughs> Yes, we, we did. preached a sermon called ISIS, Islam, and Jesus. It was so good. <laughs> so moms, they come to church. They get to hear about terrorism. Oh, my gosh. There is no special message. There's no gift. There's no recognition. And as you might imagine, oh this did not land well. Uh, people... They communicated to us like, well, hey, we brought our moms to church. And now they have PTSD because <laughs> right? Pastor Tim talked about ISIS and Islam. What's happening? So now the learning is, hey, we are very intentional about our Mother's Day services. And now they are the third highest attended Sunday of the year following Easter and Christmas for us. Hey, don't miss that. Did you catch it? Easter is the biggest day of the year, followed by Christmas. What is a third big day that most churches miss? Mother's Day. Um, 
I, you may be like, why did you preach on ISIS and Islam then? Because at the time in my own personal study, if you remember um, the, the war in you know uh, the, the Middle East with ISIS was going crazy. And so I wanted to talk, I felt in my heart, I want to talk about the persecuted church. I was so passionate about it. And listen, pastors, those of you are communicators, you can make a biblical case about why it's urgent we talk about this. But if you don't cooperate with the calendar, you're going to traumatize your people. <laughs> Maybe not traumatize them, but misfeed them. Great topic, important to talk about wrong timing. So if you don't think through this carefully, this was before we were doing 12 and six month calendars in advance. ISIS wasn't the only mistake uh, we've made. We've had to actually fine tune Mother's Day over the years. For instance, at first, I always preach the Mother's Day message. It's like, hey, third biggest Sunday of the year. I'm the lead pastor. I feel like responsible to do that. But you know what lands a lot better? When you incorporate real moms into the message. <laughs> in fact, um, Pastor Kyra, who is a mother of two, I've had her actually preach on Mother's Day the last several years, and it's been a home run. She can speak so much better to the complexities of navigating work-life balance, raising little kids, and just has this female touch. Now, maybe you don't have a female teaching pastor at your church. How about incorporating a panel of moms on the stage for an interview? I did that one Sunday where I said, yeah. I'm going to preach the message about biblical womanhood, but then I'm going to interview three different moms, one who's a young mom, one who actually doesn't have children, but considers herself a spiritual mother to others and mentors them. And then one who's an empty nester. She's like, I'm a widow, but here's how I invest in younger women in the church. You can be very, very creative. Maybe you shoot a testimony video with a mother. Just use your iPhone. You don't need a video crew and lots of money. I'm just going to say, there's a lot of things. Lauren, tell them a couple tactics you had. You pushed for, I remember, a photo booth and also a gift. Tell me why. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, moms out there, if you're listening to this, I think you can all resonate with the idea of you just want a nice family photo. You just want a nice <laughs> picture of your kids. Can everybody yeah. please gather together and take a picture? So when we set up a photo booth, it is just teeing it up for them. We have that nice backdrop. We have the lights set up. You you make it a nice environment for them. Everybody's dressed up for church, and you get a nice photo, and they really, really love that. Yeah. And then a gift of recognition, and this could be – it's all different levels. You know, and a classic is a flower, right? Yeah. You can give moms roses or carnations. Last year, we were talking about how overwhelmed moms were. Yeah. So we gave them a like a coffee tumbler because they need to stay <laughs> caffeinated. And that was a huge success. Um, we have our gift lined up uh, for this year as well. We're recording it before it drops. It's going to be a lovely bracelet. We're talking about moms as queens. It's going to have a crown on it, a crown charm on it. So it's going to match with the message. And the, the, what we're doing is a sermon series on Esther. Yep. And so we're saying, hey, you've got this queen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are the woman who is made for such a time as this. It just lands so well, guys. So, you know, you really just have to make sure that you're super intentional when planning for Mother's Day. One more note about May or early June, if you're taking notes, just remember you can leverage either Memorial Day weekend or the start of June as the unofficial start of summer. Ignore the weather calendars like, oh, it starts on this day. Mm -hmm. It's seasonal. Cooperate with the rhythms in your area of the world. That time is very ripe for special events and outreaches that get people outdoors. Again, here in the Northeast, people who are up in Canada where it's cold, People are itching to get out in May or June. So a lot of times we'll do a series based on outreach. You know, we'll send people out into the communities and serving. Another consideration for June is to create a masculine skin series that honors dads and men for Father's Day. Now, historically, why don't you note this? 
Father's Day is not nearly as well attended as Mother's Day. That's just a fact. You can push against it. But if you give men a reason to attend, they just might. If you're saying we're not here to beat up men, but really lift them up, we're actually taking this approach in June this year with a four-week series we're calling Man Up. You know, there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity. We're like, hey, you know what? Biblical masculinity, when men are operating their God-given gifts with humility and sacrifice, stewarding power well— They are a blessing to the women and families in their life, those who work with them. So we're trying to lift them up on a series called Man Up. And what's cool, notice the balance. We're giving attention to females on Mother's Day. And then on Father's Day, we're doing this three-week series. And and you're like, well, will you lose the women in our church? The answer is no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we're saying, hey, if you're a wife, if you're a girlfriend, if you're a sister, if you're a mother— You get to eavesdrop on what we're going to have is really a man-to-man talk for the next few weeks, and you're going to get insights on how to relate better to the men in your life. Yeah, because think about that. It's not just uh, the women are related, right? Some of us, I have two boys. Yeah, I'm, Hunter I'm and raising Archer. little boys that they're going to grow up to be men. You got three boys in your house. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> three boys in my house. I care about this. Yeah. This is yeah. this is really important to me. We all have a man in our life who we love and we care about, and so it's relevant to us all. All right, guys. So at this point, we're actually in the middle of summer. Right. School is out. It's vacation and staycation season. For July and August, we recognize that attendance will drop. And most people, they won't attend church every week. Uh, here, you know, in New Jersey, if the weather's good on a summer Sunday, we can bet a significant percentage of our people are day tripping to the Jersey Shore. They're hanging by the pool wherever you live. This is the reality. So what we want to do is create an environment that's actually agreeable for people. They can pop into church. They can pop out of church. And to do that, we create these non-contiguous series, right, that are very topical. So a guest could come in at any week during the series, and they could really pick up that content with ease. And so we plan that purposefully. Now, would we love it if people came every week? Of course. But we need to face reality and accept that there is going to be a summer slump. And now, you know, we're going to face those same challenges in August, Tim. But even though we have that more sporadic attendance, we do recognize that we're actually starting the fall ramp up in August. So we host a much anticipated franchise series trying to get people back in the door And Tim, this was your brainchild, so why don't you tell us about that? Well, we do a series. It's not really my brainchild. Everyone, I think, has heard of a series called At The Movies. Mm -hmm. I think it was pioneered by Church of the Highlands, maybe. We did a series called Faith and Film, I think. Everybody's done kind of like scripture and cinema. Let's take a few popular movies and mine the biblical themes on them. But you might already do this, but here's what we do. We choose to focus on movies like that in August because It's August, the season of summer blockbusters. There's a reason movie studios are spending billions of dollars in advertising. And what we do is we say, we're going to, again, we're cooperating with the cultural calendar. People are talking about, oh, are you going to go see the new Top Gun, the new Spider-Man, whatever that is. And what we do is we add special elements like serving movie popcorn in church. We actually hand out candy, Twizzlers, whatever it is. And we say, invite your friend. You have a movie lover in your life, invite him. And we tell people ahead of time, the movies that we're actually going to do. And so when people are like, oh my gosh, I love that movie, you know, A Star is Born, or I loved uh, Encanto, or whatever it is, Uh, West Side Story, I love musicals. We tell them, invite the musical lover in your life. Invite the person who loves the war films, the fighting films. And uh, we've also hosted a special outdoor movie night as part of the series in order to kind of amp up the fun, and it makes the series super invitable. And here's Mm -hmm. the key. It's a non-contiguous series. 
What that means is even though it's four weeks or five weeks, let's say it's in August, um, one week doesn't relate to the next. So if you have someone come for just one Sunday, they get a self-contained sermon that's practically applied to their life, but it doesn't rely on knowledge from the previous week or it's not building in the big payoff in two weeks. So that's a key idea, right? We'll do sequential series in that February, March timeframe. And I'll tell you about the second one later in the fall, but in July and August, think differently. This will be our sixth year, Lauren, doing mm-hmm. at the movies. It's always been a hit. I want to encourage you. We call it a franchise series because our people actually look forward to it every year. They sure And do. we change the movies. Um, I'll just give you a little example um, because I think some people think like, you know, at the movies, oh, that's kind of just light topical preaching. Oh, my gosh. We have hit some head hard topics head on. But movies are stories. They give a backdoor into people's hearts. So last year we talked about a quiet place and actually talked about um, the right to life and abortion in the middle of that. We talked about the Pixar movie Soul, right? What is your purpose on earth and does your soul, where does it go when you die? In the Heights, right? That uh, incredible movie uh, with Lin-Manuel Miranda. We refresh it every year. And if you go on our website, you'll see all these. We're going to put this in the leader guide. We've done movies, not just Christian movies. We will do a movie like Breakthrough, right? The Kid Who Fell Through the Mm -hmm. Ice and uh, The Power of Prayer. Black Panther. Oh my goodness. The profound messages about race and politics and unity. We'll even talk, uh, tackle tough topics like addiction. Some of you are still like, did he say they preached on A Star is Born? The one with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga? Yes, because it's a movie about addiction and redemption, God's power to live in freedom. So what we found is a lot of people come thinking, oh, we're just going to the movie series. We're eating popcorn. They got hit like a two by four with really hard hitting impact biblical truth, but wrapped in at the movies. Yeah, and you mentioned him about it being a franchise series and something our people look forward to. The amazing part of that is that because people know what to expect, yes. they are that much more inclined to invite somebody. You're building trust. Yes, they have that. They're like, oh, this is a fantastic experience. I love this. I make time for it every year. You're going to love it. Yep. Why don't you come with me? I think this is a secret. This is a secret to a preaching calendar. A lot of people don't know. They're, you can in, you could actually plant big days within your calendar. Most people are like, oh, August, everybody's at the beach, nobody's coming to church, and most pastors get bummed out. We have found August is one of the most highly invited series of the year. So yes, you have Easter, yes, you have Christmas, but then we see this big surge in August, which is like, why is that? Because we've built trust with our people that At the Movies is a can't-miss series. And if you have a friend who's like, doesn't give a rip about faith or religion, they'll come actually just because of the movie angle. All right, guys. So now the calendar is going to turn over to September. We're going to encourage you to count Labor Day weekend as part of the summer. It's usually that big finale to summer, right? So you could actually stretch your At The Movie series into September, or you could do a standalone message. Personally, we've started to use Labor Day weekend as a student takeover weekend. We actually platform content that focuses on the next generation and our high school ministry and our college ministry. They're all a part of that. And that becomes a really, really big hit for that community. And then we push our official fall kickoff to the second week in September. Now for your fall kickoff, Be sure to consider the felt needs at this time of year. For instance, a series we did called Anxious for Nothing resonated really well because our people are experiencing high anxiety at this time of year. It's the start of school. You have new routines with your kids. The sports are kicking off again. And it seems like life is kicking into high gear. And so you want to 
understand that and acknowledge it. Your content in September should be attractional. Remember, people have been attending sporadically all through the summer. Even the folks who go hybrid, right? They're in person, they're online. They start falling out of those rhythms because of vacation. Don't guilt them, don't shame them. A lot of times I will say, hey guys, we're gonna kick off the sand off of our flip-flops and then we're gonna give you a reason to return. That's on you guys. You gotta give people a reason to return. So September is often a short series and only might be two or three weeks. And then typically we wait until October to dive into a season of deeper discipleship. So here's a pro tip. Don't on the second week of September say, welcome back to church, everybody. Join a small group this Sunday or next Sunday. They're still figuring out their kids' schedules for middle school. They're still wishing they could be in flip-flops, you know, at the beach. They're still realizing, I got to go back to work. We wait until October, and that's when our small group discipleship series, the second 40-day series, begins. You remember, the first was in March and April. That's Lent. But October and November are time for round number two, where we dive deeper for 40 days. We do this in the spring. We will conclude with baptisms, our fall baptisms. So those are anchors for us. Spring baptisms, typically in uh, April. And then we do fall baptisms, typically in November. Again, it's because it's after 40 days of discipleship, we've turned up this spiritual temperature in the church. People are back. They're diving into the word doing spiritual disciplines, baptism is a natural outcome. I'll also mention we do host a large-scale all-church outreach in the fall season as well, because people do then start thinking, I'm back from vacation, how can I serve the community? Yeah, and that's amazing too, because when people are in that small group together, they often serve as a small group together as well. So that works really nicely together. Now, while most of November is spent wrapping up that discipleship series, I do want to tell you how we leverage Thanksgiving weekend every single year. This is our Vision Sunday weekend, and that's actually when we launch our Christmas offering. We share with the church where God is leading us in the new year. And so that's a really important weekend. It's the perfect timing because people are starting to think about giving in that season. Right, Tim? We're going to get into it. I think that's a whole nother podcast episode. Oh, yeah. We're going to dedicate an entire episode to that because it's really strategic and effective. Yeah. How to host a successful Christmas offering. 20% of your budget typically comes in the last two or three weekends of the year. But if you wait to talk about it until December, you're dead. You missed it. So we have that Vision Sunday, the Thanksgiving weekend, where we actually cast a vision for where God's leading us, and we kick off our Christmas offering on Thanksgiving weekend, which is kind of crazy. We want to telegraph it to people because that's when all the you know different other organizations are starting to ask for the year-end appeal. But for us, understand Christmas starts early, and we plan Christmas in July sometimes, right? We do, absolutely. I remember, Lauren, you had a planning retreat, and we should talk about, because people are like, when do you plan six months, 12 months? <laughs> but I remember you called a meeting, and you called it Christmas in July. Yes. And I walk into this, and it's a sermon meeting where we're planning the preaching calendar, and Lauren, you're wearing a Santa hat, you're playing Bing Crosby and Michael Buble on the radio, and there's eggnog, and it's like, it's July, we're in shorts and flip-flops. That's because, you know, we can get burnt out as the year goes on. If you're waiting to November to plan something yeah. epic for Christmas, it's just too late. And here's the deal, guys. December is the Christmas season. So yeah. it's a little different than Easter, right? Easter is that weekend. Mm -hmm. Christmas is the entire month yep. of December. 100%. You'll see the stores start, right? Again, guys, think of the retailers and marketers. You go to the mall. When does the Christmas music begin? Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, even before that, yeah. <laughs> I'm like still trying to hold like on a, you know, oh, you know, the messages of summer and it's like, nope, it's time for Christmas. 
So notice something, guys. The entire month of December should point towards Christmas Eve, yes, but we recommend you craft a Christmas series that effortlessly flows and builds, culminates in mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. For us, again, that's kind of second Super Bowl. Easter weekend is one in Christmas Eve. And you don't have to start from scratch. Let's be honest. Every preacher, I've been at this 21 years preaching, and every preacher, when you come to December, you're like, gosh, how do I say this in a fresh way? It's like telling a joke everyone knows the punchline to, right? You know, Jesus is born from a virgin. How does that even apply to faith? But you don't have to start from scratch. You can find fresh takes on it. For instance, one year our series was called Advent Conspiracy, which was an established movement. It's actually about generosity. It's actually about simplifying. What if we didn't spend all our money on these Mm -hmm. gifts, but actually did things that gave our treasure our time to serving others? And that was a huge um, hit with our congregation. There are free graphics, resources that are free to churches. So we're going to go ahead and link to those resources in our leader guide because at the end of the year, you may be running on fumes. And taking an established concept might be just what you need for success. Again, just go to churchchanger.com slash podcast and grab the leader guide. Yeah, so in terms of planning, guys, right, we've taken you through 12 months of the calendar. What you want to do is meet with your team now and start mapping out your fall run. So decide what you're going to be preaching in September through December. Then... In October, get together again and decide what the Easter run for 2023 looks like. Begin your work months in advance to get the full benefit of your preaching calendar. Because if you're deciding like, hey, you know what? I do like that at the movies series. That sounds like a great idea for August. But if you're having that conversation in July, that's not going to feel good for anyone on staff. Yeah. And let me encourage you. I say this to the pastors in my coaching network. We do a coaching network with, with lead pastors and uh, one of the things people say is like, Tim, I love this idea of planning ahead, and then they, but then they get intimidated. They say, 12 months ahead? Like, you know what you're preaching on next Christmas? Not the exact text or maybe all the, the, the main points, but generally we do. We shifted that a little, though, in the pandemic, right, Lauren? We did, yes. We said 12 months doesn't make sense anymore when the whole world is fluid. We don't know what's going to happen week to week. So we started saying, let's pair back to go six months at a time. Wherever you're at, if you're like, hey, I plan a month at a time, let me encourage you to just take what's your next step. Go one click up. If you plan one month at a time, go for a a trimester. See, I'm not just going to plan January. I'm going to go January through Easter. Or if it's like, oh, I have a couple ideas for, for, for the summer. No, plan your sermon series, the calendar for just the summer months. And better yet, think, what's your discipleship campaign going to be in the fall? A lot of times we're working a year ahead on those 40 days discipleship. And when you do it, you can put a lot more creativity and resources towards it. Um, Last final advice, Lauren, can I just mention this to lead pastors? Yeah, 100%. Do not, I repeat, do not do this planning (laughs) alone. Okay? I've done it. It's a big mistake. If you want to craft the most effective preaching calendar, you have to incorporate other voices around the table. Um, personally, I'm very blessed here. I used to, I remember when I did this planning on my own, I, you know, it's kind of that myth of Moses goes up to the mountain, you know, receives a download from God and declares it to the people. You can also be really out of touch that way. And what you'll find is you're always preaching on your hobby horses. Everybody goes to their main certain topics that they want. What I have done here at Liquid is we have curated a group of seven other leaders in our church, like including Lauren, yeah. who have a distinctive voice and a viewpoint, which I value. In fact, I think you were the one who was like, what if we actually heard from a mom on Mother's Day? And I was like, 
duh. <laughs> you know, we all bring our personal experiences to the yeah. table, of course, but we wear different hats organizationally. Yeah. So I actually own the evangelism system here yeah. at Liquid. So I wear my evangelism hat. Now, That's there are right. other people at the table who are thinking about discipleship primarily, yes. and they all have their own bent. And together, we really cooperate and coordinate, yeah. debate sometimes. It's really it's really fantastic. It's so much It's so much richer and deeper. And honestly, I think it's more biblical. I mean, yeah. when you look actually in the Bible, people did exegesis of Scripture around community. And so having those other voices, it's including, you know, a millennial, a Gen Z, mm-hmm. someone who's a right brain creative, someone who's left linear logical. I'll include a counselor in the group. When we were doing the um, the 40-day series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I mean, one of the most robust series, I was like, hey, I've been to counseling, but I also need to understand the perspectives of what people are struggling with. So let me tell you, you'll be grateful for the ideas that a team will bring to the table and make your life easier and your sermons better. As part of our podcast each month, we want to spotlight some churches making waves and doing great work. It's not just about giving them a shout out, but about pointing you in the right direction. So for anybody working in ministry, a great habit to form is taking the time just to explore the work of other churches. Today, I want to spotlight Eagle Brook Church out in Minnesota. If you want to see a church that structures their series with great intentionality, there is weighing both the rhythms of the calendar and the felt needs of the congregation. You got to check out Eaglebrook Church in Minnesota. By the way, they make it really easy. All of Eaglebrook's messages and assets like conversation guides and podcasts are on their website. So it's really easy to engage with their content. Just go to eaglebrookchurch.com to get inspired. You know, whenever we meet at Liquid to plan out our preaching calendar, we all come to the table with ideas ready to go. We're not coming to the table cold. And a lot of my inspiration, it comes from looking at what the other awesome churches are all around the country are doing. And among the many churches I look at, I always make it a point to see what Eagle Brook is doing and what topics they're tackling. So let the other churches that you admire be a resource to you. And Eagle Brook is definitely a church that's making waves. Okay, now it's time for our segment, Something Fun or Something Free. (laughs) On every episode of Church Changer, we want to end on a high note and bless you. And I've discovered after years of doing ministry, people love free stuff. So we have a free gift for you today. Um, We have written an ebook called Seven Sermon Series Guaranteed to Grow Your Church. Okay, Seven Sermon Series Guaranteed to Grow Your Church. And if you want a copy of it, all you have to do is go to churchchanger.com. Just plug in your email address and you'll get immediate access to this ebook that I know in our coaching network has blessed a lot of churches by being a lot more strategic. Now, guys, these are seven sermon series that we've actually done at Liquid Church. They are among our most successful of all time. There's a series that's focused on outreach, one on stewardship, evangelism, discipleship, and more. And what we're doing is essentially giving you a template to take what we've done and make it your own. So we hope that this is a gift to you as you begin your preaching calendar process. See if one or two or maybe more of these series fit your calendar and just plug and play. Again, just go to churchchanger.com. On the homepage of the website, you'll see where you can claim your free ebook. And to see everything we're doing, just follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at churchchangers. Plus, we'd love it if you follow Church Changer on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, 
Be a friend, leave us a rating or review that helps us get the word out. As always, we really hope that you get some practical takeaways today that you can put into practice tomorrow. We are rooting for you. We cannot wait to chat with you more next time. Oh, oh, oh.